Today on the Inside Scoop, Colin Simmons' recruitment is coming down to the wire. Oklahoma has a shot to land an insane defensive line class, and LSU recruiting is heating up at just the right time. But first, K.J. Bolden committed a Florida State on Saturday night, ending the recruiting saga for the number one ranked safety in America, Mike Norvell. Beats out Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Ryan Day, and Hugh Freeze for five-star K.J. Bolden. The Knoll's second five-star commitment in as many weeks. Last week, Charles Lester, and then this weekend, K.J. Bolden. A major statement win for the Seminoles, overcoming the stigma that Mike Norvell can't recruit the high school level. Well, FSU jumps Alabama in the rankings, is now currently sitting in the fourth spot. Let's bring on director of recruiting for On3, Chad Simmons. Chad, FSU ends July really hot. They pick up right where they left off in August with K.J. Bolden committing to the Seminoles. Do you think fans overlooked FSU for much of this recruitment, or did they really just jump the field in the last two to three weeks? Well, I think they made a big push late for sure. I think the more consistent schools, probably Josh early were Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. I think Clemson too was in there pretty early as well. Uh, but Florida State's always been there. Again, they've been, they were the first school to offer uh, KJ Bolden, you know, a, a month or so before his freshman season started at Buford High School. So they've been involved. He's been on campus multiple times. They just weren't talked about as much as the Georgias, Ohio States, even Bama's and Clemson until probably late spring, early summer. And again, that official, unofficial visit in June was key to kind of start that momentum that carried them to the finish line. Chad, what's your take and what's your perspective on what's going on in Tallahassee? You know, Mike Norvell, he's been catching a lot of flack for not recruiting the high school level well enough compared to his ability to recruit the transfer portal. Do you think that these are two statement recruitments that kind of get him past that? No doubt, Josh. I think if he can win both the portal and the high school level, you're talking about championship level roster. So uh, I do think these were big statement wins. I think obviously Charles Lester being, you know, from the home state, trending towards Florida State for much mm -hmm. of his recruitment, that was one win, a big win. I think KJ Bolden was more a significant statement win uh, going into Georgia, beating Georgia, beating Alabama, beating Ohio State, and making that late run, late push to close this one out. To me, two huge wins. I think KJ Bolden even a bigger win. And if he can continue this momentum on the playing field this fall, he could be on pace to get Florida State back in that normal conversation of top five programs every year. All right, let's move over to Colin Simmons. He's going to make his decision this Thursday, August 10. Now, I'm going to talk to our team site guys and get some regional views on this recruitment. But, you know, our LSU guys, they've picked the Tigers. Our Texas guys, they have the Longhorns. So, Chad, from a national perspective, what's your intel as we're just four days away? You know, it's a lot like K.J. Bolden. You know, the Georgia Bulldog reporters, a lot picked Georgia <laughs> with K.J. Bolden. Then FSU guys drove from Tallahassee to Flowery Branch because they thought Florida State was going to get K.J. Yeah. Bolden. So when it's like that, 
you have two different staffs with some confidence level of some sort in this race. Now, Miami is also a finalist, but I don't think Miami is really anywhere close with Texas and LSU. Nah. Look, you know, LSU got the last visit. There's been a lot of talk from the very beginning that Colin loves LSU, whether it's their history, the SEC program, the culture in Baton Rouge. And then you have in-state Texas who had a great visit there, the last official visit late in June. Uh, they had all the big-time guys on campus at one time. He's been there numerous times. It's an in-state program. Uh, he's a guy that people say Sark can't let get away uh, this cycle from Texas. So, uh, again, in, in a race this close, I tend to lean maybe towards the in-state program. But I've heard a lot of a buzz about, you know, Collins' favorite school down deep really being LSU. I know the family likes both staffs. They're comfortable with both staffs. And I think a key thing to watch, too, is LSU does not even have a defensive line coach right now. Coach Lindsey stepping away yeah. for personal reasons now at LSU. Does that impact this connection or this race at all? Uh, I'm not sure, but it can only help, I think, Texas there and raise more questions about LSU. All right, well, we're just knocking down the number ones. KJ Bolden off the board, the number one edge, Colin Simmons. He comes off the board later this week. And then on August 14th, the number one defensive lineman in America, Williams Winnery, he's going to make his decision. Chad, who are the primary teams involved as we're under two weeks away from this one? Yeah, there's been some real twists and turns in this one, Josh, mm -hmm. I would say over the last two or three months. I think, you know, when you and I talked, you know, back early mid-spring, we were kind of painting the picture as Oklahoma versus Tennessee. And at that time, I feel very confident those were the top two schools. Now you kind of put some unofficial visits in there in the spring and then in June, you put the four official visits in there in June. And we have a whole new ball game here with williams Winari. And I think right now, uh, the three schools to watch in alphabetical order are Georgia, Missouri, and Oklahoma. The most confidence throughout this process has been uh, in the Norman area, obviously University of Oklahoma. His head coach played there. Uh, Caden Green, his former teammate, signed there last year. He has a 2025 D. Lyman teammate right now that committed to Brent Venables earlier this summer. Uh, a lot of connections there. He's been there more than any other school. But keep an eye on the in-state Missouri Tigers. A lot of buzz around that program. And then Georgia got them on campus at the 1st of June and at the end of June. And they've really surged in this race as well. All right, Chad. Well, we're going to dig a little deeper into these recruitments with our guys from the LSU site, the Texas site, and the Oklahoma site. But, Chad, thanks for setting the table and joining us today on the Inside Scoop. Anytime. Thank you. Texas has a massive recruiting week ahead on Thursday. The Longhorns will find out if five-star edge Colin Simmons will be a Longhorn, a Tiger, uh, maybe a Kane. I mean, I think they're just a hat on the table, but the Canes did make the final three. We're going to break down Colin Simmons' big decision, but first, Wardell Mack, the four-star DB, the number two player in the state of Louisiana, is now trending away from the Tigers and towards the Longhorns. Bring on Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas. Jerry, on Wardell Mack, Gators are pushing hard. LSU has always been involved. And there's even some FSU noise right now. But why do you feel good about where the Longhorns stand for Mack is, well, we don't know exactly when he's going to decide, but we do think it's going to be a summer decision. Yeah, I, I, I think things have been trending to a decision, you know, before his senior season, early in those senior season. Um, look, I think coming out of the uh, the official visit, um, 
weekend in June, there was there was some optimism on the Texas side. And I think at that time, maybe it was more from the circle of Wardell Mack, right? Um, I think there's the academic athletic uh, combination at Texas is a, a very popular couple people in, in Wardell Mack's circle. Then he, cho- you know, he goes to Florida that last weekend in July and Look, Corey Raymond, Jabbar Jaluk, Billy Napier. There, I mean, there's a lot of like te- Texas has Terry Joseph, right? And, yeah. You know, Brandon Harris. They have, there's some a lot of Louisiana connections in this recruitment. Uh, you know, but I, when I was at John Eric, uh, uh Josh, you know, I guess that was mid July, um, and, and I talked to Ward Mac. I he really likes Florida now. I, he really likes Florida. Uh, there's no doubt when you talk to him, he likes Florida. You know, Frank Wilson's involved on the LSU side. So the crazy thing with the Wardell Mack recruitment for me is whether he commits to Texas or Florida before the season, this is one that whoever wins, they got to deal with Frank Wilson in, in New Orleans the whole way through until December. Uh, so this is one of those recruitments that, you know, he, he's going to probably pick a school before the season. And right now that's trending away from LSU. Um, and there's, I think there's, there's more, a little more confidence on the Texas side than Florida side. But even if Texas wins out, Frank Wilson's not walking away. <laughs> so you think, as, as you know, Josh, New Orleans, you know, Frank Wilson doesn't walk away. <laughs> so what you're kind of saying is, is regardless of where he decides during the summer or early fall, LSU is still maybe the favorite to land him in the end. I mean, I don't know, I don't know about that, but I do know this. The LSU is not just going to let him go to a Texas or Florida, especially when you get one. He's in New Orleans, right? That's right. the area for yeah. LSU. That is the area above all areas. And two, there's also competitiveness in these recruitments. I mean, Frank Wilson is friends with guys at Texas. Frank Wilson is friends with these guys at, at Florida. There gets to be a real competitiveness in these within these recruitments outside of the fans following where Wardell Max going. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. Let's go to Duncanville, Texas, where five-star edge Colin Simmons is almost set for a decision. We're about uh, four days away. He's going to be deciding on Thursday. Now, you put your pick in for Texas coming off that June 23rd official visit. What was it coming out of that visit that caused you to put the pick in for Texas? Of all the prospects that weekend, there was about as much positive momentum with Colin as anyone. Um, and, And that continued on. Here early in July and midway through July. And then, you know, he was scheduled to visit Texas A&M July 28th night. That changed to LSU and he yeah. did not go to Texas A&M. So that thing ends up right where we thought it was going to be. And and Josh, you said Miami's a hat on the table. I, they're out, right? This is Texas LSU. It's a hat on the table. You're right. Um, so then he goes to LSU that last week and then that kind of uh, brought back all those feelings he's had about LSU in the past. Um Obviously, um, we mentioned Frank Wilson earlier. He's he's very much in the picture for LSU in this recruitment. He's gotten involved uh, for the Tigers, and that's when you know that it, it's a real recruitment. Uh, and maybe LSU felt like they had some ground to make up there on Texas. But look, Colin he, coming out of that visit, of all the kids that visited Texas that weekend, there was as much positive uh, chatter about Colin Simmons as there was anybody. And they've had a few commitments. Texas had a few commitments since that time. So. What's your confidence right now in that pick as we're just four days away from a decision? I, I think it's I think what's interesting is there's there's a few recruits in every cycle that truly hold the cards, right? Yep. Uh, they know where they're going, they're in control of their, their recruitment and their decision. 
And I think Colin's one of those guys. Um, and I think Colin Simmons has a very good idea of where he's going to go in four days. Uh, I, and I think he's the one right now that knows that. Um, I Look, I, I, I don't know if I if you said put in an RPM today. I'm not sure I would. I mean, I, 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 might, I might chill out for a day or two on this. Right. And see what else we hear. Um, but uh, I think Colin knows where he's going. And I think he's the only one right now that knows where he's going. All right, so Texas fans that are sweating this one out right now, you're basically telling them that it this week doesn't really matter in terms of new developments happening. You think that Colin Simmons entering this week already has his school picked out? Yeah, I think he has a good idea where he's going. Uh, I, look, I think you announce an August 10th date, and you're already moving towards that uh, commitment date before your last visit. You have a pretty good idea what you're going to do. Now, as you know, Josh, all your experience – once you put out a date publicly, that amps up your recruitment. That amps up the pressure. The, uh, that amps up both of those schools really going head-to-head, making those last runs. So it can leave a hint of doubt in your mind. But I don't think Colin Simmons picked his commitment date and decided, okay, this is when I'm doing this. And, yeah, it, it corresponds with before Duncanville's season getting going uh, to block out all that noise as they go for a repeat. But you also have to know where you're going. What do you make of our boys, Shea Dixon and Billy Embody over at the Bengal Tiger dropping those RPM picks for LSU coming out of that Bayou Splash weekend? I So here's my thought is, I think Colin, uh, I think both programs have confidence in Colin Simmons. And I think that's not a surprise in, the, in this recruitment. Like I said, there's very few recruits that hold all the cards, right? And they really do. Uh, and Colin's one of those few guys in every cycle. I think I think both coaching staffs have reason to feel confidence right now, but somebody's going to finish second. <laughs> somebody's <laughs> and, got and, to. Somebody's got to finish second. And look, it's like this is one of those recruitments where a lot of people on the Texas side that cover Texas outside, just in our industry, are hearing great things for Texas. LSU, hearing great things for LSU. That's outside the on three network. That's in our industry. Um that's what makes our jobs fun and also stressful at the same time. Yeah. And it's why people love to follow recruiting. You just That's never it. really know what's going to happen. So, and, that- and Josh, from a, tech, and from a Texas side, Josh, you're moving into the SEC. Yeah. I mean, Texas fans have to understand this is every year now. I mean, this is every year on guys you're battling for, whether <laughs> in Texas, in Louisiana, in Georgia, in Florida. I mean, DeAndre Robinson was a was a was a tight recruitment all the way down, even though Texas felt good about it. Florida was feeling good about it and 24 hours before he announced too. That's the way these recruitments are gonna go for the most part in SEC. Yeah. All right. Let's move back to the state of Louisiana. We talked about the number two ranked player in the state. Now let's talk about the number one ranked player in the state, five star defensive lineman, Dominic McKinley. Now it looks like he might be leaving the state. What teams outside of LSU do you think are the biggest threat to land Dominic McKinley right now? You know, I, I haven't heard anything that's changed on that, Josh. Coming out of the June official visits, it was Oklahoma, Texas, Texas, Oklahoma were the two. A&M was considered third from what I was told um, as far as the schools he visited in June. Um, and so, look, I, I think it's an interesting recruitment because if Dominic leaves the state of Louisa, he just wants to do something different. It's nothing against LSU. He just wants to go away and get a different experience. Right. Now, the question becomes there, if it comes down to a Texas-Oklahoma, if LSU's not going to be his destination, um, is Austin a little closer 
to family than Oklahoma is. And the mom has been in education for 24 years now. And I do know from uh, talking to her and uh, Dominic and his brother Darius at the uh, Austin Bergstrom Airport after their official visit, um, the mom definitely mentioned the academic factor at Texas. And she's mm-hmm. look, she's been a teacher for 24 years. So I think Texas has a little bit of that going for him in this recruitment. We'll see which way it goes. I know Dominic has a great relationship with Todd Bates at Oklahoma. But the question is, if he's going to leave Louisiana, if that becomes his decision, then is Texas being closer to home the actual decision maker there? All right. Are things still good with Texas and five-star cornerback Kobe Black? Yeah, I I think so. I I think Texas is still in a good spot there. Uh, he was on campus at Texas A&M the last weekend in July. And, and look, there's got to be competition for these guys, right? There's like going to be. Him, there's got to be. Um, else, one, we don't have jobs. Uh, but, you know, um, to be real. But, uh, look, I think Texas <laughs> is a good spot for Kobe Black. I think the big question with Kobe, does he decide to do something before the season or does it go a little bit into the season? Right. Uh, because he does have visits scheduled, possibly visits scheduled to LSU mm-hmm. and Alabama. Um, early in the season. So we'll see which way that goes. But I think Texas is in a pretty good spot there. Yeah, I just wonder, because we've seen a couple recruitments get away from Texas a little bit, like the Corian Gibson one. You know, if Colin Simmons goes to LSU, do you think that maybe Texas, It well, I don't know, is there anything Texas could possibly do to maybe lock down Kobe Black before the season starts? Or do you think, like you said, he just simply holds all the cards in this one? Yeah, I think in a way he holds all the cards. I mean, look, the five the five star guys are tough to pin down and say, "Hey, we want you to commit on this date." That that's almost like a losing proposition in a lot of ways. So I think he holds the cards. I think the key there is the Kobe Black's family. His brother plays Oklahoma State. His father played for Bill Snyder at Kansas State. They've been through recruiting. They understand the recruiting process. They also understand the. Um, it, being healthy, you know, what can happen on a football field, what can deter th- deter things. So yeah. I think that's going to be a discussion that's going to be key in Kobe Black if he moves his timeline up to right before the season. All right, Jerry, I just got to ask. The number one wide receiver in Texas, Micah Hudson, it feels like a commitment was imminent about eight weeks ago, and then we just never heard anything. So has Texas has there been any traction with Texas and Micah Hudson during the month of July to think that the Longhorns might have a shot here? I mean, look, one thing that Texas fans know from following Steve Sarkeesian since he's been in Austin is they don't really back off the top targets. I call it recruiting through the whistle, right? The coaches ask the players to play through the whistle. The coaches have to recruit <laughs> through the whistle. And they're definitely recruiting through the whistle. They did it up with Kelvin Banks when he was committed to Oregon, right? And that one looked like it was going to flip the Texas even before yeah. Cristobal went to Miami. But after he did, it was over. Um, so I, Texas is good. They've maintained contact there. Um, and the longer this one plays out, and I'm not saying Texas Tech isn't the favorite because they clearly are, but mm-hmm. the longer it plays out, if it gets into December, even the Under Armour All-America game, if that actually happens, then that, that's not the best news for Texas Tech out there because that gives Texas and everybody else a, a chance to chip away. And the everybody else chipping away helps somebody like Texas when Texas Tech's the heavy favorite. Yeah, you're right. And also, if this thing goes into the fall, Texas has a shot to prove it on the field that, hey, wake up. This is the place you should be. So we'll see what happens. But, hey, that's a long way away. What's not a long way away is this Colin Simmons decision just four (laughs) days away, August 10th. Colin Simmons at Duncanville High School. All right, Jerry Hamilton, thanks for joining the Inside Scoop. You got it. 
LSU landed four-star wide receiver Jelani Watkins last night, pushing them into the top 10 in the on-three industry rankings. And that's just the icing on the cake. The Tigers, they've landed five commits in the last 15 days and are red hot as summer is coming to a close. Now, LSU, there's still some key targets on the board, though. So let's bring on Shea Dixon from the Bengal Tigers. Shea, we're going to get into this whole Colin Simmons debate in just a minute. We're still four days away from that. But first, let's talk about LSU and if they can close on the top two players in the state of Louisiana. And I'm talking five-star D lineman Dominic McKinley and four-star DB Wardell Mack. We'll start with Wardell Mack. Always thought this would go LSU's way, but he's currently trending towards Texas on the RPM. Did it hurt that he did not make it into Bayou Splash last weekend? I, I don't think it helped, uh, certainly, with him not being there. He was the most notable in-state Louisiana recruit that was not at the Bayou Splash, and he ended up visiting Florida the following day, which is a team that's certainly been in the mix as well. Uh, I think you would circle Florida, LSU, and Texas as the top teams here, Josh. I don't know if he's still going to shut it down before his senior season. He says he mm -hmm. will, or at least he has said that in the past, but it'd be tough to pick. I would lean maybe Texas right now, but I know that, look, it's a long way to signing day. Even if a player announces right now, is it completely over with? There was some of that chatter yesterday, even with a guy like KJ Bolden. So I don't know which way this one is going to go today. Now, could that change in a few weeks? Sure. And will that change by signing day? Maybe even more so. Uh, I think Max is a recruitment that will play out all the way till December, even if he does give a verbal commitment to a school earlier than that. Yeah, it kind of does seem like that. It seems like if he does make a summer decision that this thing's going to go all the way to National Signing Day, no matter what. So he's the number two ranked player in the state of Louisiana. And right now, currently, as it stands, LSU has landed eight out of the top 10 in the state after last year missing on six out of the top 10. But right now, we're going to turn our attention to the number one defensive lineman in the state of Louisiana, five-star Dominic McKinley. What's the latest intel on LSU's chances and where they stand in his recruitment? You know, LSU has made a really big push here lately, Josh. They did get him in for the Bayou Splash. That was big because this was a guy who went out of state for four official visits in the mm -hmm. month of June. And for a five-star, his recruitment really took off a lot later than a lot of other five-stars. He picked up most of his offers this spring. So the recruiting process is still a bit fresh to him and his camp. That being said, they have sandwiched a lot into a handful of months here. And I think that LSU is finally able to really dig in here and make their pitch. The Bayou Splash, you would call probably their most successful visit yet with McKinley. And then that puts the pressure on Texas. It puts the pressure on Oklahoma, these other schools that are in the mix that got visits for them and that were riding some confidence coming out of those visits uh, into the rest of the summer. So, yes, you mentioned it. A year ago during that transition period uh, when Brian Kelly and them first got here, six of the top ten guys in the state did leave, uh, Arch Manning, that whole group. Now in this cycle, we've already seen them, as you noted, lock up 80% of the top ten but when the number one and two players remain uncommitted, the storyline continues. You want to be able to close with those guys. And the rankings are far from settled. Uh, but I do think the number one player in McKinley is a guy that I think LSU is starting to feel a good bit better on than maybe they were a month ago. All right. So we know that right now where these guys are trending. But let's talk four months from now. 
when it's all said and done, when the dust settles and signing day's over, who do you think is more likely to sign with LSU at this point? Wardell Mack or Dominic McKinley? Oh, that's a great question. I will go base it on either Sidon. LSU has not lost a lot of Acadiana area kids uh, and certainly not kids from that Lafayette area. Now, New Iberia, Westgate has seen a couple of guys leave recently, uh, one to Alabama and then Derek Williams last cycle to Texas. Uh, but LSU does have a commitment from Demirian Johnson right now out of Westgate. And they're on Jabori Antoine next year, one of the top corners in America, the number two corner on on three right now. So they're getting their footing back there. Not that LSU doesn't have a, a great firm grip on New Orleans, typically, especially with Frank Wilson on staff. I just haven't seen a lot of Lafayette area kids leave the state. So I'll lean McKinley, but just for that reason. <laughs> okay. Well, now let's head over to the state of Texas. It's time to talk about that Duncanville duo. They are going to be making their decision this Thursday. I'm talking four-star running back Caden Durham and five-star plus edge Colin Simmons. Let's start with Caden Durham, the number eight ranked running back in the country. LSU doesn't currently have a running back committed in the 24 class. Is Durham now the top target for LSU? It's always been this uh, by design, really, yeah. for Frank Wilson. It was Durham or bust from the start. And LSU has a good amount of running backs on scholarship. That'll get them through this year. Uh, but looking towards the future, even in 2025, the number one running back in the country, Harlem Berry, is out of New Orleans. A top 10 running back in the country, James Simon, is out of North Louisiana. So they felt good in the 2024 cycle of saying, hey, let's circle one guy and go after him with everything we've got. That's Caden Durham. I think that effort's going to pay off now. Remember, there was a time where people thought he was an Oklahoma lock. His mom yeah. was a sprinter for the Sooners. He had visited Oklahoma a ton to kick off his recruitment. And Oklahoma's recruited Duncanville well over the years. And LSU's not had a foothold at a school like that in East Texas. So for the LSU to be able to get into South Dallas to recruit Duncanville, maybe the most talented program right now in the country in terms of just pure talent and college-level players on roster – uh, to be able to make this kind of splash with a guy like Durham, which I do think they do this week by reeling his verbal commitment, reeling in his verbal commitment, is huge. Because LSU, we know what they can get from Louisiana, Josh, but can you mm -hmm. routinely dip into Houston, to Dallas, and to some of these bordering states and, and get guys at a high level? Guys like Durham, a top 100 prospect, fit that, you know, they really fit that bill. So I do think this is a really, really big week for LSU when it comes to recruiting in Texas because – you have the chance to knock down a couple of dominoes, but I said it from the start. They need to come away with at least one of these Duncanville kids to consider all that effort to be a success. I think they're going to get that with at least Durham. All right. So that takes us to the number one edge in the country, Colin Simmons, teammates with Caden Durham. And this is a tight one on the recruiting prediction machine. What has LSU done to put themselves in Simmons' final group right now? I think what they've done is just been there from the start. And when you look at what Simmons has, his offer list, he's got 40 plus offers. He's mm -hmm. taken visits to schools all over the country, made a handful of official visits in the month of June, including to Texas, the other team that's obviously being talked about right now as LSU's main competition. But I look at, I went back and looked over the past year, LSU has actually had more visits uh, from Simmons uh, than Texas has a couple of more. Uh, and in total during his recruitment, they've had the exact same number of visits. So for him to lock in on an out-of-state team like LSU, I think that's shown the interest is sincere from the start. 
And then just look at his actions. I mean, even without taking an official visit, which he has set for November to LSU, they're right here in the top two. And Texas did get one of those June official visits uh, that he took. You also look back at the Colorado spring game. They, Deion Sanders has this long list of guys who are coming in. Colin mm-hmm. Simmons was one of the big names on the list. He doesn't go to it. He ends up backing out, and he shows up as, as a surprise visitor at LSU. And then during that seven-day open period, I guess it was a quiet period, right, Josh? And between July's dead period and August's dead period, recruits had seven days they could go to a college campus. Colin Simmons spent four of those days at LSU, and he didn't visit anywhere else that we know of. So his actions, I think, point towards him having very real interest in LSU. Now that he's set a date coming off of that LSU visit at the Bayou Splash, I think that's what has a lot of LSU people saying, man, it looks like LSU's done enough work here to potentially pull this off. It sure feels that way. And over the weekend, or I should say on Friday, you and your cohort, Billy Embody of the Bengal Tiger, put in RPM picks for Colin Simmons to LSU. So coming out of that big Bayou Splash weekend, what was it that gave you guys confidence to call it for LSU on Thursday when Colin Simmons makes his decision? I don't know. Don't put me on the spot there with call it. I think this is one that continues to play out every day. Um, as we record, you know, as we're talking right now, Josh, both schools could feel one way by the time, uh, you know, a Texas fan or LSU fan is listening to this in a day, two days, whenever it might be, uh, things could have completely changed. And that's how Absolutely. it is with a five-star number one edge prospect. That's just the reality of two teams battling. And you see it in the RPM picks. Jerry and the guys at Texas still have it on Texas on a lower percentage, just above 50%. Uh, And as you noted, Billy and myself are on LSU, just above 50%. So I think it kind of sums up where each school kind of feels like they stand is uh, they feel like they've got a slight edge, but they know there's real competition out there. I would just point back to why I made the pick. Him spending those four days at LSU and then turning around and saying, I'm announcing my decision at the same time as a teammate who a lot of people feel very good about ending up at LSU, doesn't even have Texas in his final grouping. No, they're not a package deal, but I don't think it hurts that they're doing it on the same day. So I would point to that as a big reason why. You come off of a big visit weekend like that and immediately set a commitment date, more often than not, it proves uh, good news for the team that just hosted you. But this, again, is a wild recruitment. We'll see. Yeah. And, you know, it just feels right. I know Miami, you know, it's a top three of with Miami involved as well, but I think they're just merely a hat on the table for this decision for the last really two years. I think this has been shaping up to be an LSU versus Texas battle. And now that we're four days away from that, it surely feels that way. Um, All right. So this week we're going to find out about Colin Simmons. We're going to find out about Caden Durham. The Tigers currently have 23 commitments as it stands right now. What are LSU's remaining needs, if any, after this week? You know, I think it's more specific to guys. They've done a very good of addressing needs, but the ones we've talked about, the two big guys in state uh, right now, or at least the number one and two guys in McKinley and Mack, they've also offered Gabriel Relliford uh, out of Evangel in Louisiana, mm-hmm. who's committed to Texas A&M as a defensive lineman. So interior defensive lineman, I think, is a need, but – Those three guys, obviously McKinley fits that bill as an interior defensive lineman, a five-star. And then it's the guys that they've just been on a long time, whether that's guys in Texas like Colin Simmons and Caden Durham, or whether you branch out to guys like Kobe Black at corner or Terry Bussey as an athlete. 
these are really high-level prospects who remain uncommitted, who have LSU in their lead group, tossing a guy like Blake Ivy on the offensive line. And mm-hmm. it's more specific to, I think, now, Josh, the guys they've put in so much time on, can they close them? So 23 commitments, a top 10 class. That's more than a great start. That's a very good job of addressing needs, locking up Louisiana in a big way and hitting on some big out-of-state targets. But to take it from 10 to a top five class means knocking down some big dominoes like the guys we've talked about. Yeah, so far, so good for LSU. And after this week, it looks like they're just going to go big game hunting. So Shea Dixon, I'm sure it's going to be a hectic week back and forth with Colin Simmons, Caden Durham commitments coming up. Thank you for dropping by the inside scoop today. We got a couple make or break recruitments for Oklahoma's defensive line class. So let's bring on Josh McQuistion of Soonerscoop.com to discuss. Josh, the number one defensive lineman in America, Williams Winery, set to announce August 14th. Heading into this one, we've been talking a lot about OU. Who do you think is the biggest competition and where do you think the Sooners stand? This is such an interesting one. I, I think the easy answer is Missouri. I think we all know um, Missouri, you know, he's talked about it being their, his first offer. Uh, I think we all know there's a strong NIL package that Missouri has put together, and that's just something you have to consider. Um, at the same time, what's interesting is where it varies, because you talk to certain, you know, um, reporters from certain schools, and it's very much a uh, kind of Georgia-Missouri battle, and then others, it's Oklahoma-Missouri. And I know both Oklahoma and Missouri kind of see each other as the primary combatants in this thing. So, and uh, again, but I, I can't get Georgia out of my head. So that's just one of those things that I, I, none of the three would surprise me, but I just can't get over how many connections he has to Oklahoma through his head coach. Uh, obviously, you know, one of his fellow defensive linemen, Kamori Moore, committed to Oklahoma uh, about – 10 days ago, uh, Caden Green's already there. There's just a lot of things that drag him, you know, dragging sounds bad, but, you know, takes him toward that Oklahoma decision. But again, Georgia, Missouri, I mean, none of the three should be a surprise to anyone. Does Missouri have the NIL resources to hang with an Oklahoma in a Georgia in a battle for williams Winery? I don't think there's any question. I mean, the numbers I've heard, they, I mean, and you understand it. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz needs a shot in the arm, and this is perfect. I mean, you go land arguably the number one player in the country, it gives you a lot of ammunition. Now, um, from what I have gathered, Oklahoma has put together something pretty serious themselves. In the first year or two, I thought OU was a little passive with NIL, and I know Brent Venables comes from that Dabo Swinney school of, you know, that's not what we want to do. We don't want to operate that way. But it just feels like Oklahoma has kind of pivoted this summer. Uh, I think you've seen them put together some strong packages, some strong offers, and understanding that that's, that's just part of it for some of these guys. So I, I don't think Oklahoma is going to be able to dollar for dollar match what Missouri is doing. But at the same time, I do think it can be a, you know, they can be within the ballpark. They can be competitive. All right, we're going to talk David Stone in a minute. We can't talk OUD line without mentioning David Stone. But first, I want to flip to the offensive side of the ball real quick. Grant Bricks, the number two ranked interior offensive lineman in the country out of the state of Iowa. 
This is shaping up to be a real Nebraska-Oklahoma battle with maybe a K-State on the outside. Where do you think OU stands right now, and how important of a recruitment is this for the Sooners? It's huge for Oklahoma. They've missed on a lot of their top offensive line targets. The class has not gone the way they hoped it would. Losing Casey Poe to Alabama, you know, just a few a few that I think at various times they probably led for and just at the end kind of came up a little short. Right. This is a big one. Grant Bricks is a guy they need to get. They need to show some, you know, just some higher level quality in this offensive line class. I like some of the pieces they have but they're raw, projectable guys rather than they're going to be ready to go in a year's time. So I think Grant Briggs is big. I agree with you. This feels like Oklahoma, Nebraska, and this feels very much like a situation where you've got a kid that really wants to stay close to home, and Nebraska is like an hour and a half, I think less, than from his home in Logan, Iowa. And Oklahoma has the draw of Bill Bedenboe, um, and then the he's talked about liking Jerry Schmidt and Oklahoma strength program a lot and kind of seeing how they've developed guys like Creed Humphrey and Ben Powers and some of the offensive linemen under Bill Biedenboe. So uh, I think it's just kind of a head versus heart scenario. And those are tough to predict because I don't think there's any obvious advantage for either school beyond those two clear points. All right. Well, let's talk David Stone at the moment. The IMG Academy standout, the five-star defensive lineman. He is going to make his decision at the end of August. Now, where does OU stand? It's been We've been talking about this for a long time. OU's been in a good position. They've been on the outside looking in. Where do you think things stand right now as we're about three weeks from a decision from him? I And I'll say what I have said. I, I put in a prediction for David Stone to Oklahoma in February of 2022. Now, you can yeah. track it on on three. Obviously, we've been there since May, but it is on the Internet. You can find it. So <laughs> this is someone I, I've, I've said even, I mean, honestly, and it sounds so delusional, even if he were to announce to someone else on August 26th, I still think I would expect him to sign with Oklahoma. Like, that's just one of those feelings and knowing David as long as I have. He loves a good curveball, so I'm ready for almost anything. But I definitely think Oklahoma's the leader. I think they are the school. Uh, you know, I, I've talked about it before. If you just talk about the time he's been to Oklahoma since Brent Venables arrived, and obviously he'd been there long before Venables was Oklahoma's head coach, I mean, you're talking 30 or 40 visits from a kid that spends nine months a year in Florida. Like, that's – that's just hard for me to wrap my head around anything else being the choice. Now, I think he gave some long looks. I think Michigan State was absolutely a contender there for a while. Miami, Florida. There are possibilities that I can't entirely rule out. It's just tough for me to envision him going anywhere but Oklahoma because of not only how much interest he has shown, but the relationship he has with Todd Bates. I think those two have really connected. And I know Oklahoma's really – pulled out a lot of stops, including, you know, I think I mentioned that last time we talked, Josh, some um, some work from Gerald McCoy, you know, a, a yeah. Tampa Bay Buccaneer, former OU first rounder that, um, you know, is an, another Oklahoma City area guy like David himself. Who would you say right now is Oklahoma's biggest competition for Stone? Wow. I would, there's a part of me that just says Florida. I, I just kind of have this funny feeling that that's a, I, I would almost say either of the Florida schools. I could buy Miami. I could buy Florida. I know there's a lot of Michigan State talk. That feels like that's waned a lot yeah. to me. Uh, Texas A&M, 
just because of what we know they can do. I mean, OU fans have not forgotten David Hicks, so I think they live in just a little bit of fear. Yeah, that one's still but, raw. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And this would this would be the reverse, where Oklahoma got beat, you know, on a kid on A&M's turf. Well, for A&M to come in and beat a kid from Oklahoma, like, that's that's brutal. So I think that's why, I mean, as much as I think williams Winery is a special talent, David Stone's the most important piece of this class to me because you just can't miss in-state talent like this in a, in a state like Oklahoma where there's not enough of it to go around. Mm, yeah, <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense. Now, they also have another shot at another five-star defensive lineman. This time we're talking about Dominic McKinley, the number one player in the state of Louisiana. And right now, it doesn't look good for the LSU Tigers. It seems like Dominic McKinley's going to make his way out of state. Do you think it will be to the Sooners? Josh, when when someone like you or I talk to Sam Spiegelman and I hear things like that, I still am like, is this real? This can't like this kid's going to get out of Louisiana. Like and I know what I hear and I know everything. But I'm like, I've got to be I've got to have this wrong. Like I just I almost don't trust myself. Um, but it does. It sounds like this is going to come down to Oklahoma and Texas, which yeah. is uh, it's something that's been rumored for a couple of months, as you know. But it didn't feel real. You kind of kept waiting, like, oh, LSU is going to wake up. They're going to turn this thing on here at some point. And it just really hasn't happened. And I, I think Oklahoma has a real, you know, a real shot here. And, again, it comes down to something I've mentioned a couple of times since we've been talking, the relationship he has with Todd Bates. I think Bates and the Soul program and, you know, and obviously the the way that Brent and Todd – really recruit, you know, and I don't know of a better way to say it than kind of with their religion in front of them. I mean, they, it's a big deal to them, their faith, and they talk about it very openly. And I think that has resonated with him, his family. Uh, I think those things matter. And, you know, like I said, the soul program, all the internships that they have set up, that's something that has been discussed a lot. So I, I think it's an interesting thing if it does come down to Oklahoma and Texas. I think with both staffs obviously have great relationships with the kid. I think with Oklahoma, it's very much about the, like I said, the faith, the soul program, all of those things. And then with Texas, I get the impression it's very much about the educational market. So it, it's going to be interesting because if mom has a big vote, she gets pulled in both directions there. Because I know both those things are important to her. So I wonder, you know, like, how, how does she choose between those two? Because I... I think it's pretty close, but it sure sounds like he is, you know, within the next week or two could have something for all of us to know about. Mm. Could it be possible that OU lands three five stars on the defensive line in 2024? Mathematically, it can't be, right? Like, it just can't be. Why not? Like, you, I, you know, I, I know when Oklahoma fans are throwing things at their, at their screen right now. Like, I get it. I, I've rained on the parade. <laughs> um it, you know, it's one of those things where singularly, I, again, I, I would pick Oklahoma very slightly from an area. I think Oklahoma's a heavy leader for Stone. And I think they're about a coin flip for Dominic McKinley. Like, it's impossible. But you just kind of are like, this can't really happen, can it? Like, And it just, to me, it, it's more than anything, it's staggering how quickly they're, they've turned around the narrative on Oklahoma defensive line recruiting. Because... Josh, a year ago, you and I aren't having these conversations about anybody but David Stone. Like they're they're not in any of these chases under Alex Grinch and the previous staff. And 
you know, it wasn't for lack of trying. Those guys, it just – it wouldn't have happened. So, again, they've done an awesome job developing relationships. And all three are possible. All right. Well, OU with 16 – I'm sorry. OU has 19 total commitments right now, and there are some big pieces still left on the defensive line. It's going to be a fun rest of the summer, whatever's left of the summer at this point. Josh McQuistian from Soonerscoop.com. Thank you for joining me on the Inside Scoop. Thank you for watching. Make sure you smash that subscribe button for me. And remember to check out all the videos on the On3 YouTube page.